This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is Tuesday, October 12th, and this is the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for tuning in. A big weekend of college football, and we've got national recruiting editor Brandon Huffman on the line to break down a couple of the games, a couple of the action that we got to see and some of the recruiting impact, but also coming off a road trip that was over a thousand miles long and spanned 30 different high schools in Northern California and the Central Valley and all over the place. The well-traveled Brandon Huffman joins us. Brandon, are, are you tired? Tired, Blair. I don't get tired. I get exhausted. There's a difference. Tired means, you know, you're a little bit out of it. Exhausted means you have nothing left in the gas tank, which incidentally I had to fill up three different times because I was driving so much last week. You want to be a recruiting analyst? Listen to this. So Brandon, every year, makes a kind of a week-long, probably, what is it, Monday to Saturday road trip? Sunday to Saturday. Sunday to Saturday. So he spans the full seven days, and it's... It's always it's always a trek, right? Because you're hitting high schools throughout the day. Uh, you cap off the week by going to a couple high school games, one on Friday night. You usually hit a Saturday game, but this is a yearly thing for you. How did this all come about? How did how did you start to brainstorm that you would be able to pull this off? Because that's that's no easy feat. I go out to cities and I try to hit four or five different high schools in a day, but if you're hitting thirty in a week, I mean you're averaging about six a day. So how it started was probably about 2013, 2012-ish. Stanford Nike Camp, as you remember, Blair, used to be the crown jewel of the Nike camps out on the West Coast. It was in May. It was usually right smack in the middle of the spring evaluation period. And because it was in the spring evaluation period, you would have college coaches from all over the country trekking in. I remember going to it one year in like 2007. And literally, as I'm pulling into the parking lot, I see Phil Fulmer and seven Tennessee coaches get out of my left and Charlie Weiss and six Notre Dame coaches get out of my right. So May was always that big time of year. So about 2012, I decided, you know what? I'm going to go down a couple of days ahead of time. There's so many guys by this point, the dead period, you know, or I'm sorry, the evaluation period didn't allow for coaches to go on the road, but I had always gone down to the Bay and May. So what I decided to do is like the Wednesday before I would try to hit a couple schools, Wednesday and Thursday, Friday used to have the elite 11 tryout. It used to be at Cal. Uh, then Saturday, it was usually a, a stop at a Giants game. Sunday was the Nike camp. So I had this great schedule plan, but you feel like you're just trying to smash all this stuff in. And then by the time you get back, you have all your Elite 11 and Nike camp stuff that you hardly have any time to get to the school business. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to do it in the fall. So about six years ago, I decided, or five years ago, I decided that I was going to do a week-long trip to the Bay. And then I think 2017 or 18, I started to expand it. And I started going from Fresno to Stockton to Sacramento to the East Bay to the North Bay to San Francisco to San Jose 
and then I'd fly home. And it's exhausting, but it's been on the calendar, save for the COVID year. And, you know, it's a great trip because if you've never been to, to the Bay Area, they have some of the best food, some of the best breweries, some of the best coffee places. So I could always fuel up on coffee. And then at the end of the night, go to some great brewery that has a great food truck and kind of decompress from the day and edit my stuff, write my notes. And, you know, it's it, it, this year, it felt like I really missed last year. And so I kind of felt like I had to go even more overboard this year, which I did. And, and I feel like it's been it's been warranted. And it's been one of those trips that is completely necessary because we think of California recruits and California prospects and high schools. And you, obviously, from a national perspective, you think of modern day, right? You think of St. John Bosco, you think of those schools that are competing for those mythical national championships. But when you Think of recruiting from an NFL draft perspective, Northern California, the, the Bay Area, you know, the San Jose area, like all that, all that region is the one that's actually producing the first round draft picks, the the players that are staying in the NFL for a long time. And, and I don't want to say that. Northern California gets slept on because you and I hate hate that phrase. Oh yes, but I I do want to say that it's one of those regions that probably doesn't get the respect that it deserves from a national perspective. No, it, it's certainly true. I mean, you look at two drafts ago, we all hear about the Trinity League and largely because of the success of Bosco and Modern Day, and yet the West Catholic Athletic League had more players drafted in 2021 or sorry, the 2020 draft as the Trinity League did. Then you go look at this year's draft in 2021. And in May, four of the first five picks were from Northern California. And that includes, you know, Sacramento, Oakland, San Francisco. So it, it is, and the irony in all that is when you think the most tradition-laden high school football program, not just in California, or if not nationally, at least in California, it's an East Bay program that has had most success. Now, they haven't had as much success in the state championship game the last few years against Modern Day and Bosco. But when we think high school football in California, Concord De La Salle High School is the most synonymous with all of that. So it really is impressive how slept on, if you will, college coaches look at Northern California, yet offer so many in Southern California. And yet it's clear where a lot of these NFL teams want to get their guys. I think, and we've been doing this a long time. I think the Bay Area recruit or the Northern California recruit is just built different than the Southern mm-hmm. California recruit. They, the way they carry themselves is a bit more, you know, kind of lax, right? They're a little bit more quiet. They don't talk as much when they're on the field. They kind of just go and handle their business. I, I think of a Javon Holland who was just a draft pick for the Miami Dolphins out of Oregon. And we got to see him up close for a week down in Hawaii uh, at the Polynesian Bowl a few years ago before he went on to, to have a really good career in Eugene. And the way he went about that whole week was just different. And he's a Northern yeah. California prospect. And the way he was carrying himself, the way he was going through practice, uh, even though a lot of players see that trip, see that week as a, sort of an extended vacation before they head off to college. You know, you're out in the in the palm trees and the beach. You're out in Hawaii for, in the sun for about a week. And the way he was practicing was just a little bit different. He was going at a different pace 
And that's the type of recruit that I envision when I see the Northern California recruits. So I think you're onto something there where I think it does take a week to be able to go and hit all these high schools and be able to find some of these prospects that maybe don't get the national spotlight that maybe a player from Southern California might have. So I do think that this is an important thing that you do. And and, and obviously, it's a sacrifice for you. And I want, I want to say that here publicly on the podcast, because that's a week away from home uh, and on the road. And it, it's tough enough to do it for two or three days, like we all do uh, from a recruiting analyst perspective. But for you to take that bullet for us for a week in Northern California, well-deserved brewery stops. Let's talk about some of the players that you were there or that you were there to see. Uh, Zeke Berry, let's start off with him, just came off a decommitment this past weekend. He was committed to Arizona for several months. And you are probably the leading flag bearer in the Zeke Berry fan club. We believe that we call it a Stan account. That <laughs> That's this is a exactly Berry what we call account. it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because you mentioned Javon Holland and my player comp for Zeke is Javon Holland. And it's not just because they're such similar players on the field. It's the way that they carry themselves off the field. And, you know, and I want to circle back to something you said about Javon Holland that week in practice. Remember, there was that one day, I think it was the Thursday at practice, where we looked over to the sidelines and said, you could come up with a starting offense and a starting defense from all the players that are sitting this practice out. And yet Javon Holland, I think he was our alpha dog with three straight practices that week. And he just kind of had that dog to him. And Javon didn't get invited to the Army All-American Bowl that year or the Under Armour Games. So what did he do? Well, he turned the Polynesian Bowl into his kind of his showcase. Well, Zeke, Four years later, hasn't been invited to either of the the two New Year's Bowl games, but he's been invited to the Polynesian Bowl. And so what does he do when you go watch him play? He turns those games into showcases. So Friday night, De La Salle's playing Folsom. It's probably the best intersectional rivalry in Northern California. And, you know, after modern day Bosco, you could say that De La Salle Folsom is probably the second best, you know, game in the state of California this year, uh, just in terms of the talent on each side with those two teams, me to Northern California, the success that they've had. And De La Salle had their first loss to a Northern California team in 30 years happened this year. Then they lost to, they lost to St. Francis High School of Mountain View. Uh, then this last weekend, or, or sorry, two weekends ago, they lost to St. Francis Academy of Maryland. So as long as they're not playing St. Francis's, they're fine. But Folsom has won four state championships and probably cost themselves two when the open division required Folsom to play De La Salle. And Jake Browning probably still sees Austin Hooper and Michael Hutchings in his nightmares because of what happened. So now they play. This is the year Folsom's going to beat him, right? Opening kickoff, Zeke Berry takes 88-yard kick to the house for touchdown. The game was essentially over from the kickoff. Zeke had an interception. Uh, he knocked out Folsom's starting quarterback with the blindside blitz that just crushed him. He had a couple other big hits that separated the receiver from the ball. And two days after that, he announces his decommitment from Arizona. Once the film from this Folsom game gets out, I think it's going to be more than just Michigan and Oregon and Cal and UCLA and Arizona who's going to try to get him back in the fold. You could see more and more schools trying to get in on him, but he's only got one official visit left. He took an official visit to Oregon in September when they played Arizona, incidentally. Now he's got one visit. It's likely it's going to be to Michigan, and then he'll take an unofficial to Cal and UCLA, but he's a top 100 player. I think he's the guy that's going to end up in the top 100 when we do our next update. I still can't believe that there are certain sites out there that don't have him as a four-star. He is clearly above and beyond the best player in Northern California, and now he's going to have a recruitment that's going to be pretty interesting to watch these next couple of weeks. 
Zig Berry, six feet, 185 out of Salle, and the number 20 rated corner right now, according to 247sports.com, but obviously set to rise in those rankings after what Brandon was able to see this past week. Uh, you mentioned some of the schools, Michigan, Cal, UCLA, all trying to get in there. Oregon already hosted him on an official. Uh, Arizona, obviously trying to get back in there as well. What's the time frame for him? What, when do you see him trying to come off the board? Already decided once, is he going to maybe take his time this time around? He will. And I think, you know, he, he told me last week before he had announced his decommitment that he probably will have a final decision closer to December. He will not make a decision until he has visited Michigan. So the, the thing is, if people have been following recruiting for a while and if, you know, follow some of the star recruits that De La Salle has produced, they don't typically allow their players to take official visits during the season unless it's a bye week. So a few years ago, Henry Toto took an official visit to Washington during a bye weekend. Otherwise, you're taking your visit during the playoff bye, which is late November, early December. And we've seen you know, that year, Isaiah Foskey and Henry Toto didn't announce until February because they used January to take their official visits. So Zeke took three official visits in the spring, took one for the Oregon game. Uh, now he's going to take that fifth visit to Michigan. Will it be in November? It's, it's his hope, but it likely may not be until December. And so if that's the case, then you're looking at a decision that probably won't come until right around the early signing period. You also made a stop up in Pittsburgh without the H. That's just, near, it's near Concord, right? It's just north of Concord. Yep, just um, a little bit north, northwest of it, or northeast of it. A couple prospects there in the 2023 class that we want to discuss, Jaden Rashada and Rashid Williams, both of them right now, uh, four-star prospects and, and among the, the more more highly coveted players in the state of California. What's the latest in the recruitments of Jaden Rashada and Rashid Williams? First with Rashid Williams, he's been pretty busy. Two weeks ago, he was at Stanford, who has been one of his top schools from the get-go. They were one of the first, uh, he was one of the first 2023 players to get an offer from the Cardinal. He was there when the Cardinal beat uh, beat Oregon in overtime in that nationally televised game. Uh, obviously, that was a big game for Stanford to have some recruits on campus, but certainly when you are recruiting key playmakers, and your quarterback engineers a 95-yard drive where his receivers like Elijah Higgins and John Humphreys were key targets on that drive. So that wasn't lost on Rasheed Williams. This last weekend, he was down at Arizona. Now, Arizona head coach Jed Fish has recruited Northern California when he was at UCLA. Uh, But more importantly, Arizona's director of high school recruiting, Ryan Partridge, is a former East Bay head coach himself, won a state championship with now Oregon quarterback Jay Butterfield. He's been running hard on those Northern California kids. Rasheed took an unofficial visit down to Arizona this last weekend. Next weekend, he'll head down to Mississippi State. Well, what's the connection to Mississippi State? Well, Israel Polk, who is another 2023 receiver at Pittsburgh, a uh, junior receiver. His older brother, Makai, is the leading receiver at Mississippi State, formerly played at Cal. Uh, but when Steve Spurrier uh, Jr. took over the receivers coach at Washington State, Mike Leach was there after the last year that Polk played at Cal. He decided to transfer down to Mississippi State, where he's now their leading receiver. So Israel Polk and Rasheed Williams will now go visit Mississippi State. And, you know, Rasheed said, you look at that offense and it is absolute heaven for a receiver because they throw the ball 50 times a game. So, you know, keep an eye on Mississippi State there. I still think Stanford right now is probably the team to beat. But if you're a receiver, it'd be hard to ignore what Mississippi State does from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. I think you uh, obviously have to see what they what they do uh, with that air raid, with the, you know how they move the ball around, and uh, it's it's definitely an interesting one, especially if a, if a prospect from that far across the country is, is able to get down there and check things out. It's it's a different culture down there for sure. Rashada has been you know a little active as well. 
Uh, he's been able to check out some schools. And I think right now, from a Domino's perspective, when you think about quarterback recruiting, you have to kind of look at Jaden Rashada as maybe one of the next ones to fall out West. And it's funny because when you mentioned Domino's, he said that Clemson has been talking to him quite a bit, but they've been very frank with him. They said, listen, we're not making a decision on the second quarterback to offer until Arch Manning makes a decision. And Rashada understands that. He understands that, you know, you see a lot of quarterbacks that egotistically they're not going to be interested in the school because they're not their first choice. But this is a kid that had an offer as an eighth grader. He's very deliberate in his approach. So that's not going to turn him off. If anything, it's going to probably make him, you know, just play that much harder and see where he stands. And if they're willing to not wait any longer and then just go ahead and offer him. And I think in the case of Rashada, though, it's one of those situations where he originally wanted to have a decision made by December of 2021 and then be able to early enroll a year later. But now with Clemson really picking up their interest in him, and obviously they're still waiting to see what Arch Manning does. Now Rashad is probably waiting to a little bit longer to narrow his schools down to a top six and to make a decision because I think he wants to see how does a Clemson factor into his recruitment, which, you know, it's kind of bad news for the schools like Auburn and Penn State and UCLA and Arizona State where his dad played that we're hoping that they could get him either in the fold or at least to narrow his list down sooner rather than later so they can know where they stand in terms of recruiting another 2023 quarterback themselves. But, you know, that just gives you an idea into Rashada that Clemson, even with them waiting, he's willing to wait for him, for willing to wait for them. So I think that'll add a whole other layer to it with uh, Nico Yamaleva, the other top quarterback in California that that is yet to make a decision. Obviously, Malachi Nelson already made his choice. So Rashada and Nico Yamaleva are going to be two of the quarterbacks out West, and certainly nationally, that a lot of eyes are going to be on. But there doesn't seem to be any kind of real rush from Jaden to narrow things down now. He wants to see where he stands with Clemson before he makes a decision. And I think, you know, schools like UCLA, uh, Penn State, even Washington. I mean, Washington has a four-star quarterback in state, Jabari Johnson, that they've kind of waited on to see where they stood with Rashad at Arizona State. I mean, they're, they're likely to lose Jaden Daniels after the season if he keeps playing the way he has. And that won't really matter for Rashada, but... I think he wants to see what's going on with the coaching situation there with the investigation by the NCAA taking place there. The other thing Arizona State has working for them is that his father, Harlan, played at Arizona State. So he's grown up watching the Sun Devils. So there's a lot of schools that are involved for Jaden. I know it feels like I'm talking a mile a minute, but that's how many schools are involved with him where it looks like because of his willingness to wait for Clemson, we could end up looking at a more longer recruitment than we originally thought we would. Yeah, and I think right now, obviously, Arch Manning is the biggest domino that needs to fall before some of these other quarterbacks are able to really figure out where they stand with some schools. And uh, obviously, some of the big heavy hitters are in on Arch Manning. So until that gets settled, I think we'll be seeing a lot of, uh, you know, kind of that that uh, that situation that Rashada is, is going through right now. We are joined by national recruiting editor Brandon Huffman. You could follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. You can actually go on his Twitter account and see recruiting no- notebooks from all his stops throughout the week last week in Northern California. One of those stops, Folsom, just outside of Sacramento, uh, not only home to one of the best breweries out West, that would be mm. Burning Barrel Brewing. We're, we're trying to work a, a sponsorship of sorts. So if you know anyone, 
anyone at Burning Barrel, we know we're, uh, you and I, Huff, are, are big time backers of, of that company. But you also got to see a, a couple of, uh, of prospects that are highly regarded and um, already headed to All-American Bowls. That would be Walker Lyons and Rico Flores, a couple other guys in the 23 class that are making some noise. And me for name, image, and likeness purposes, we don't even want like money. We just want those flights that they use, the the cases, the, the holders that Burning Barrel uses for their flights, which are some of the coolest in the world, which I was able to, to experience after I stopped at Folsom High School. And last week, Walker Lyons, one of the top 23 tight ends nationally, the number one tight end in California. I think he's number two nationally behind Deuce Robinson, uh, was invited to play in the 2023 All-American Bowl. Walker's got nearly 30 offers. I know you talked to him after his official visit, or I'm sorry, his unofficial visit uh, to BYU, which was a key visit. You know, you look at his, his offers, you look at the schools that are recruiting him, and he's got kind of a who's who's list of schools that are recruiting him that have offered him. And then there's BYU. He's LDS. And the the one thing that BYU was able to do that no other school has been able to do when he visited probably a dozen during the summer, BYU has been able to get him on campus for a game and not just any game. It was their win over Utah. And I know that that game resonated with him. Obviously, Kalani Sataki has had that program headed in the right direction for a few years. Uh, but for that game in particular, it was a big game for BYU because of the amount of recruits that they brought in and having an elite national recruit like Walker Lyons, who he's a number three tight end overall in the country, a top 10 player in the state of California. That was big. Uh, at the same time, you know, it's not like that swung all momentum to BYU's direction. He's still looking at schools like Stanford, Texas, Clemson, uh, UCLA, Washington, Ohio State, Alabama, Ole Miss, USC. Uh, I don't see any kind of decision coming anytime soon. I think the next step for him is he's going to narrow his list down to probably seven or eight schools, uh, but that'll be a big recruitment to watch with him and Deuce Robinson. You know, Cooper Flanagan, who is also a top 10 tight end nationally, who played against Walker in that Fulston de la Salle game, already committed to Notre Dame. So, you know, well, that was an offer that Walker Lyons kind of coveted and Cooper Flanagan ended up committing to the Irish. So Walker still has plenty of options to choose from, but there doesn't seem to be any end in sight there. And then his teammate Rico Flores, he too has offers from all over the country, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Texas, uh, the majority of the Pac-12, including Washington, USC, Stanford, Oregon, Cal, UCLA. He also was invited to the Army Bowl, or, I'm sorry, to the All-American Bowl, the 2023 game. And he thinks his next offer batch could come from one of Ohio State, Penn State or Florida. So uh, he was the alpha dog at the UC report event in Southern California, another All-American uh, at Folsom at the pass catcher position. And, and I really like what I saw from Rico the other night, just in terms of his play. I mean, obviously they were bracketing him at, at times and he still was able to make a couple plays here and there. Uh, but both those guys uh, at Folsom, Walker Lyons and Rico Flores have recruitments that really aren't just West Coast based recruitments. But those are national recruitments that a lot of schools are going to be interested in see how they play out. Yeah, those Northern California schools could be stops for a lot of the pros or for a lot of the coaches that are looking for prospects, not only later this season, but next spring as they start to put some touches on, on their 2023 class. Another 2023 prospect, Huff, before we go, Jurion Dickey, he's on the other side of the bay in, in San Jose. Uh, Valor Christian, 6'2, 210, the number 60 overall prospect in the 23 class, a top 10 player in the state of California. Uh, he's got a number of Pac 12 schools high on. On his list. What do you like about Dickey and, and what do you think uh, his recruitment looks like as we as we wrap up the season? Well, I love the competitor that he is. There's not many seven-on-seven -seven tournaments, camps, showcases, events 
that Jurion Dickey won't go to. And, and it's smart because he plays in a very heavy ground-oriented offense there at Valley Christian. If you look back over the last 10, 12 years, they produced Cameron Marshall, who went to Arizona State, Byron Marshall, who went to Oregon, Kirk Johnson, who went to Texas. And yet Jurion's in the similar boat to what Kirk Johnson's brother Colin Johnson was when he was at Valley Christian, knowing he was a receiver in a pretty run-dominant offense. So he went to events and competed. Colin Johnson ended up being drafted in the 2020 draft. And when I said earlier in the, in the podcast that, you know, the West Catholic Athletic League had two players drafted, Colin Johnson was one of them. Well, if you talk to the coaches at Valley Christian, they say that they're very similar players in terms of their approach to the game. Obviously, different bodies. Jurion Dickey's a rock solid 6'10, 215. Colin Johnson was probably on that longer 6'5 range. But Jurion Dickey is such a physical presence as a receiver. And Valley Christian's finding ways to get him the ball, whether it's kick and return, you know, kickoff return, putt return using him in various ways in their offense. He's just a competitor. So he has got 20 offers right now. I think if you look at his recruitment, uh, you know he's added offers in the last few months, just in September alone, from Washington, Washington State, Mississippi State, Kansas, USC, Colorado, and Michigan State. Uh, but the ones really sticking out to him right now are Oregon, uh, where he camped during the summer at Saturday Night Live. UCLA, where he visited in late June, and then Cal, which is probably one of the schools that has been recruiting him the longest and the hardest, and his older brother attends. It's also nearby. Then you also throw in Washington, picking things up with him since they offer too. There's a real Pac-12 heavy flavor to his recruitment. But I think as more national offers start to show up, you know, he's really interested in Florida and Clemson and Alabama. If those offers start coming in, then I think you can see Dickey being much more willing to look nationally. But right now, he's one of the few players out West who's an elite recruit who I think has a chance to stay in the Pac-12 footprint. A lot of stops for Brandon Huffman, whether that was the San Jose area where you saw Jerry on Dickey. Uh, we're talking Stockton, Sacramento, Oakland, San Francisco, the whole Bay Area and Northern California. Brandon, we can't wait to maybe do a little tag team next spring. I know the, the camp circuit didn't make its way up to the Bay Area this, this past year, but hopefully we get to, to go and, and partake in some burning barrel next year. Burning Barrel and maybe some chats with some San Francisco Giant ushers about the 2002 World Series. And mixing some fills the morning after for, for oh, the yes. wake-up call. Brandon Huffman, you can follow him on Twitter, at Brandon Huffman. He's the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. That'll do it for us. For Brandon Huffman and our producer, Lance Glenn, I am Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.